This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane and here today as always with Chris Valente. But Chris, my good friend, we have a guest. We do have a guest, a very special guest. The one and only Michael Scott. Michael, Michael how are you, buddy? Scott. Hey, guys, I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. And just to preface, not the character on The Office, the actual Michael Scott is on this podcast. So The actual one. Well, welcome to... Um, front office features it's burned in my brain from when we hosted the rap party when the uh announcer announced michael scott into uh pnc field and the way that he said it uh will be forever etched in my brain i had really no idea what was going on though it was the loudest a minor league stadium has ever been for anything of all time to date Yep, I can imagine. From what I've heard, the show is pretty popular. Uh, you haven't seen it either, so no, we're two no, against no, one no, today, buddy. No, 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 no. This, this is infuriating that I am <laughs> on a podcast right now with one, someone who was at the rap party of the, my favorite show, and two, the one reason I ever responded to you, Mike, when you first reached out was because of your name. I was like, I got to talk to Michael Scott. I got to see what this is all about. This is months ago now. And neither of you have seen The Office. And I think the both of you, the only thing you have seen is Scott's Tots. Yes, I saw it for 30 seconds or whatever. Literally the most like cringeworthy scene show of the whole entire series. And that's the two things you guys have been exposed to. This podcast already is ruined for me. I'm talking to two (laughs) people who are very, very well connected to The Office and have never seen it. So I'm going to sit this one out. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out of the contest. That's Seinfeld. That's Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld. That's right. That's a, a, a great episode of Seinfeld. Amazing, uh, amazing episode. Uh, anyway, so uh, Michael, what's been? You've been a uh, a, a main feature, almost a you know a character here in our show. Um, what what's going on? What's what's uh, how you been? Good. Uh, things have been good. Things have been busy. Um, you know, obviously with everything going on in our country and in the world right now, things have obviously slowed down quite a bit, but, uh, still trying to, you know, kind of be creative. And, you know, I was actually talking to Chris earlier today about some ideas and stuff that I had on the back burner, uh, to kind of, uh, get ramped up again, once things start to get back to, you know, some sense of normalcy and, uh, you know, really every day, just kind of continually trying to get my name out there a bit and, um, for those who don't know, I don't currently work in the sports industry. Um, I did for most of my career, basically starting uh, freshman year of college all the way through the end of law school and decided to take a little bit of a break uh, from the industry about a year ago to uh, kind of refine some of my uh, more traditional legal skills and 
uh, I guess, you know, kind of since I met Chris, probably back in September um, of 2019, I've really been, you know, on this mission to try and get back in the industry. And uh, Chris and, you know, yourself, obviously, have uh, kind of been helping me out along the way. So the one of the reasons why I think, Mike, you've stuck around so long with us uh, and <clears throat> continually we respond to your text, calls, emails, et cetera, is because of how impressed Rob and I have been by the amount of work that you've put into what you just described as your goal and mission to get back into the industry. We talk to a lot of folks who kind of just talk a big game and then really don't do anything about it. And one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is this is obviously a very unique time right now for a lot of folks uh, who are trying to get into the industry. And obviously our industry has been put on pause uh, indefinitely. Uh, and yep. what you've been doing along the way up until that point has led you to have more interviews and more conversations and and, and 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 you're more of a much narrow opportunity just because of the legal background you're not trying to get into this wide range of sales or so forth so you bring a unique perspective to this conversation as well but i think let's talk about some of the things that you've done before we talk about what you're doing right now uh that has led to some successes for you in terms of networking and getting your foot in the door with some major major uh organizations in our in our world yeah, sure. So, I mean, even like really going back all the way to freshman year in college, I'll never forget sitting in my very first sport management class when, you know, the professor told me, hey, if you if you just email people, you know, and you tell them you're a student, they're going to respond. And, you know, obviously coming from high school and stuff, it's not really something people tell you. So I kind of took that to heart from, you know, really day one and had my very first internship in the industry. I believe it was my saw. Uh, second semester of freshman year of college. Um, and, you know, from there, I, you know, kind of realized what the power of networking can do. And, you know, obviously LinkedIn sort of took off and stuff like that. So my, you know, sort of tactics have really been refined over the last uh, basically seven years, all throughout undergrad and then all throughout law school. Um, and, you know, I've kind of picked up a, you know, really a, f a couple of different tricks along the way. Um, you know, as I sort of progressed on this uh, journey, if you will, um, you know, I, I kind of realized that sometimes just asking people for a phone call and sending your resume isn't really going to do the trick. Obviously, I'm a little bit fortunate because of my name. It happens to open up a little, you know, some doors for me here and there, uh, probably more so than the average person would. But really what I've been trying to do um, and basically ever, you know, since Chris, since me and you first talked was uh, come up with some different and unique ways to really make myself stand out. Um, so, you know, for example, instead of just sending my resume and an email to someone, um, you know, I created a scouting report, uh, about myself and literally titled the document scouting report where there's a picture of me and it lists my, you know, like measurements and my background in law school and an undergrad and essentially tells, uh, potential employers some things that they would learn about me, uh, you know, that you wouldn't exactly find on my resume. Um, so it's kind of little things like that. Um, you know, that I really learned to stand out, at least on the networking side of things. Um, you know, like you said, some of the places I'm trying to get into are pretty high level, whether it be with Major League Baseball or with the uh, CAAs and Wassermans of the world, uh, you know, some of the bigger agencies. And obviously, I've really had to kind of go above and beyond in terms of putting work product out there, which... Uh, we can get to if you want, you know, putting together a salary arbitration presentation. And, Absolutely. That's uh, that's the that's yeah. the beauty of this is what you've done. I mean, and what you've sent to me to look at and what other people have given you feedback on, whether it be real sports agents, union lawyer, labor, 
and the the amount of networking you've had happen in the past, like you mentioned, it's only been since September, five yeah. six months, and the conversations and interviews and and leads that you've gotten is all because of the extra work beyond you just sending a, a blank resume saying, "Hey, I want to work in sports." I mean, the 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 salary arbitration case that you put together that you sent to me and I was going through it. And I mean, I'm, I'm not in that world, but I was like, this is extremely impressive for someone who actually doesn't work in our business and is trying to at least show that they have more to offer than just, Hey, I want to do this. So like kind of talk, yeah. talk, talk us through that, how you did all that, who you talked to about it. Like, you don't have to specific names, and, but. And, and to build on Chris's question, all also like, where did you start? Right. Like there's people listening yeah. right now that like, don't know where to start. Like, oh, yeah, I built a salary arbitration case, but is that where you started? Like, how did you even get going? Yeah. So that all kind of came about just from talking to people um, and having informational interviews. So it was a crazy story, but the first time I ever spoke to Chris, I was actually in a hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, I had flown out there for a teamwork online networking event at Dodger stadium. Um, never, never went to the West coast before in my life. You know, I've always lived in the New York, New Jersey area outside of going to college uh, at Florida state. Um, so it was my first time on the West coast and at this networking event at Dodger stadium, um, there was a woman uh, that I met there who's a professional in the industry. She was the, uh, I believe her title is director of baseball administration for the Dodgers. Um, and I had like a, you know, 30, 45 minute conversation with her literally in person where she kind of told me about her job and, sort of gave me some guidance as a practicing lawyer in the industry and, you know, different things I could do to kind of get my name out there. Um, and one of the things she had mentioned, you know, that she oversees or at least takes part in is the salary arbitration process. Um, you know, obviously I knew what salary arbitration was uh, in, you know, for law students, there's a giant salary arbitration competition that takes place at Tulane every year. Um, I never really got a chance to get involved with it in law school just because I had other internships and things going on. But I always kind of knew what it was in the back of my head. And um, as I started to talk to more people in the industry, I kind of realized that, you know, hey, if I if I want to make it as a lawyer in this industry and uh, not just be a typical practicing lawyer at a you know New York City law firm, I was going to kind of have to prove to people that, you know, I understand the baseball industry. I know what goes into a contract. I understand the collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, as a result of all those, you know, all the hours studying and going through things and reading articles and talking to people, well, this is what I can do. Um, and that's really kind of how it started um, and really where it ended up. And in, in addition to talking to people, the other big thing I started doing was reading uh, baseball industry websites, I guess you can say, basically every single day. Uh, so signing up for a subscription for Baseball America, uh, reading fan graphs basically every single day, baseball prospectus, uh, Reddit blogs, basically anything and everything you can think of to kind of submerse myself in the industry as much as possible. And obviously for me, I knew I wanted to work in baseball from the start. So it was it was kind of nice and easy to be able to target certain outlets in certain areas within the industry. And I wasn't really all over the place, but I guess if you know, you're not really sure, I could understand how, how that would be difficult. But um, for me, it was, it was you know, pretty simple. And, uh, you know, in terms of the process itself of putting together the presentation, it, you know, took about a week to 10 days. Uh, I had some mentors, I guess you could say in, in the industry that actually did this on a day-to-day basis that I was fortunate enough that they were, you know, able to take a look at my work and, um, you know, in, in terms of how I got in touch with them, it was, you know, call it what it is, basically begging to get a face-to-face meeting, which I was able to do. And being in New York city, I'm obviously at an advantage also because there's so many different organizations there, but 
um, you know, I had a mentor to kind of guide me through the process and the very first draft I put together was like, you know, probably the worst thing that anyone has ever seen in their entire life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. Gotta start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But I got, you know, I got feedback and took it to heart. And, Who'd you get feedback you know, I, from? Uh, it was someone in the industry that actually does this on a day to day, um, on the, uh, on the player side of things. Um, he was able to, you know, kind of guide me through the draft process of actually putting this presentation together and, um, eventually helped me get it to a point and like kind of helped me refine my thinking process, if you will. And then you, um, this is one of your cold reach outs just for a, uh, something that someone to talk to informational interview. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So I was introduced to someone, or I actually reached out to someone at, at a big agency in, in uh, New York city. And that person, after meeting with me in person, um, was able to introduce me to his colleague at the agent at their respective agency that actually did arbitration on the day to day. Um, and that's kind of, you know, how that relationship kind of got started. And, you know, that person introduced me to someone else within the industry that does arbitration. And it was just a huge trickle down effect from there. Very cool. So on the, on the side too, Mike, you, you also write for a legal blog, right? Yeah. So I've been, it really, um, the writing I've been doing is, you know, actually, um, kind of inspired by Dan, who you guys are going to be, you know, talking to very soon. Um, he kind of started writing and sort of giving a legal analysis on certain sports issues. And, you know, I, I spoke to him and he was like, Hey, like, just, just start doing it. Like it'll, it'll suck at first. It'll get better. And, you know, eventually you never know. Tell so his I, podcast. I, I, started, <laughs> right, <Rob? laughs> I'm just still waiting for it to get better. Yeah. We just started. <laughs> see what happens. Hey. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of got me started on it and, the writing that I've been doing is kind of split between uh, baseball on-field analysis, looking at statistics and trends in the game and uh, more like on-field decisions, if you will. And then the other side of it is obviously the legal side, looking at arbitration and collective bargaining. And I mean, I should also mention, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a labor lawyer, so I work with collective bargaining agreements every single day. Um, so it's really just kind of a matter of taking what I've been learning at work and uh, sort of adapting it to baseball and, that's how the writing kind of got started. And then as you guys know, I was fortunate enough to get published on the community blog at Fangraphs today, which I've been trying yes, to get on there. Awesome. That's, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So I, I've been trying to get on there for months and that was definitely a really big accomplishment. And, you know, I don't have a math background or a statistics background or really anything like that. So that, you know, having my article at least be published on there kind of somewhat justified what I've been doing, which is, which is definitely nice. You've got to make sure that you, uh, boast the hell out of yourself uh about getting that on Fangraph. so uh making yeah. sure that's on your linkedin and making sure you're tweeting about it making sure that you're taking screenshots of it making sure that that's on your yep. resume making sure that that is literally everywhere even going back to like uh, i know you spoke to a guy like uh, matt ferry he's like hey matt check this out i was on Fangraphs, right that's a good kind yeah. of follow back up with people that you've tried to uh that you've been having conversations with yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other like big thing I've been doing actually based on Matt's suggestion, based on our my first phone call with him and uh, my kind of intermediate emails was actually putting together scouting reports as well. Um, you know, obviously, I, I'm not a you know a college baseball player or anything like that. I don't, I've never played professionally. I don't really know anything about it. But something as simple as kind of, you know, observing college baseball players and uh, just putting, you know, just literally kind of looking at what you're observing and putting it on paper and sending it to people has been uh, you know, definitely really helpful as well. So, you know, kind of goes back to what we were saying before about being creative and, you know, kind of doing these, you know, little things to make yourself stand out. And 
you know, even like with the arbitration presentation, you know, let's say even if I spoke to 10 different people in the industry about it on the player side, and on the team side, they, everyone kind of told me the same thing in that, yeah, people send them arbitration presentations all the time, but most of the time it's, you know, kind of a bare bones outline of why they think player X should earn a certain amount of money for a given season. Um, and, you know, what I w- was able to do was actually put together the presentation like in, in PowerPoint, um, you know, as if I were presenting it in person. And then I also, you know, kind of used my legal skills and wrote a 20 page brief, if you will, or explanation, uh, you know, kind of of why I thought, you know, the certain player that I chose should, you know, earn the their given salary for the 2020 season. And that was really what kind of set, you know, set me apart, you know, putting that 20 page paper together that, you know, really, you know, kind of got people's attention and made them respond to me. So Mike, what is the ultimate goal of all this? I mean, you're putting in work that people typically would only do if they were in school and were forced to do it, were either have their job and that was required to do it because that is their job. Like, what are you hoping to accomplish all said and done with all of this effort? Like I, we go, Rob talks about all the time, you can control two things, right? Attitude and effort. The effort that you're putting forth on this goal of yours to make it come to fruition is... I, I still haven't talked to anybody or seen anybody do what you're doing. Um, so complete kudos to you. And that's why I've been so impressed. And that's why we keep bringing you back and talking about <laughs> you. But what is the ultimate goal? Like, what is it? Where do you want this to end up? Yeah, no, of course. And I mean, I appreciate it. And for anyone listening, know that I would not get there without Chris and, and Rob. So whatever they're saying, listen to it. It makes sense. And it's the right thing to do. So, in the middle of this, I've already received a text from someone who's going to disagree with you. Well, that would be my wife. <laughs> I knew that was. I knew that was. She on. said, "We've been home for a full week together, and somehow you didn't even bring up you were having Michael Scott on." <laughs> I said, "It just happened today." She goes, "Hashtag social distancing in your own home." <laughs> so, um, I'll, when she listens to this, I'll make sure that she hears that part to listen to Chris. But I don't think she'll agree. Um, but go on, keep talking, keep talking. Yes. So obviously the high level goal is to have a career in baseball, um, sort of looking at the micro level of this, um, and to preface this all. So I, I worked for a, um, NFL agency all throughout law school. Um, so I kind of really got a good understanding of sort of the player side of things and how a major, uh, sports agency operates on a day-to-day basis. I was there for, uh, just about three years as an intern. And then I basically forced my way into a full-time job and was there for six months as a full-time employee. Um, And that, you know, I felt like kind of gave me the requisite knowledge on how to do client services and, you know, how to do sales because I was selling, you know, marketing and endorsement deals every single day. Um, And, you know, I kind of got to a point where I felt like, hey, you know, I, I went just, you know, graduated law school at the time. And, you know, I felt like if I really wanted to have a high level executive role in the industry, I, you know, needed to sort of refine my legal skills and kind of uh, put them to use in everyday life. And that's sort of how I ended up, you know, working for the law firm that I'm with now. Um, But, you know, my goal is to really kind of take those skills and, um, you know, either work for an agency or for the MLBPA, uh, actually doing arbitration cases or, you know, working as a lawyer for them, helping with collective bargaining and kind of all that good stuff. Or on the flip side of things, working on the team side. Um, and, you know, working my way up to be a general counsel one day and kind of doing more of the business side of, of the industry. 
or, you know, working in baseball operations and, you know, continuing to do arbitration cases so long as they keep to include, you know, keep including them in, in collective bargaining agreements. When you so. spoke to um, Matt Ferry, uh, one of the front office features guests back in December, um, what were some of the pieces of advice that he gave you uh, that you that you found very impactful? Yeah, so I, I think the one thing that, um, you know, with Matt that really stood <clears throat> out was, you know, to kind of keep putting stuff out there. Um, you know, I think he even mentioned it in his interview that he used to go to minor league baseball games after his day job, I believe. With yeah, the right. Race. That's right. Um, yeah. And, you know, put together these scouting reports and kind of just sit behind home plate and put things together. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, it's, you, you meet the right people and you get in front of the right people and everything kind of clicks. Um, so that was, you know, I think the one thing from Matt that really stood out for me, because, you know, like I said, I mean, I played, you know, baseball throughout high school, but it was, it was never anything serious or anything like that. Um, so, you know, putting together scouting reports and arbitration, you know, presentations, I mean, in reality, I had no idea what I was doing. Still don't know, have any idea what I'm doing, but it it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I said, you know, kind of, you know, calling back on my advice, you know, from Matt is, Hey, if you keep doing it, you'll keep getting better at it. People will start to recognize you. You'll get that feedback and, you know, eventually you'll get to a point where someone's going to have no choice, but to hire. So as you are, going through this and you're still looking, obviously we haven't, you haven't found the right job yet. Um, what are some of the challenges that you are, um, that you're facing and uh, what, an- what questions do you have that you just don't have an answer to? Not to say that Chris and I might have the answer, but what, you know, what you're facing yeah. is no, what we others. Don't have, we don't, we don't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll give you guys some credit. You definitely have a few answers. So, um, don't tell me. <laughs> but in terms of, yeah, I know. In terms of challenges, I mean, I think the challenge always from day one, you know, ever since I was a freshman is just kind of opening up the door to, you know, getting through the right people. I mean, that's always the tough part. And, you know, now that I'm, you know, kind of at this, you know, at this point in, in the game, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get in touch with like high level people, you know, people who run baseball operations departments or the people that run the union. And, you know, those those men and women are incredibly busy and most of them don't have any time for you. Um, I mean, there are, you know, there are still presentations that I've sent out, you know, back around the winter meetings and I'm, you know, still continually following up with general counsels of teams and other places to, you know, kind of, you know, stay on the radar and, you know, if they ever have any downtime to kind of even just have a chance to review my work. That fan graph um, thing's so, a perfect you know, thing to follow up with those kind of guys or and gals. Yeah. 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 No, a hundred percent. And, um, I for sure have that on my list when things kind of, you know, get, you know, get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, but, you know, kind of knocking down that door and always, you know, getting through the right, you know, the right person is always the first step. Um, and, you know, that's still from, you know, sometimes for me, the hardest part, because I'm not a student. So I don't really have that leverage anymore. Um, you know, when, when I was a student, if you write that in your email and, um, you know, I, I found that I got answers like maybe 75 to 80 percent of the time, because any professional, especially in this industry, they're looking to give kids advice. Um, you know, they want to kind of, you know, just have an opportunity to tell their story to someone. And, you know, maybe even if you got lucky mentor someone and, um, you know, that was really, you know, kind of easy for me when I, when I was a student and now as a practicing lawyer for, uh, just about two years now, it's, it's definitely a little bit harder when it comes to that. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I, like I said, I'm pretty set on working in baseball. So I really only have two, you know, three choices. It's working for a team, working for the league. Uh, working for the union or four choices, working for an agency. 
so my options, you know, kind of start to get limited as you start to narrow down what sport you want to work in. And for me, everything I want to do is very sports specific. So that's, you know, that's kind of the other thing that's, I guess, holding me back as well. Why have you narrowed it down to just baseball? So for me, is baseball is always, you know, kind of my first love. It's always the sport I've really wanted to work in. Um, like I said, I worked in football for three years. Uh, you know, when I was in college, though, I, I, minor, I interned for a minor league baseball team here in New Jersey, uh, where I'm from. And it was probably the greatest four months, three months I've ever had in my life. Which team? Uh, I loved uh, Somerset Patriots there. Oh, nice. yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was without a doubt, like some of the best like times I've ever had in my life, even, you know, pulling tarp at 1130 at night in the pouring no, rain. No one likes uh, that. That's a lie. No one, no one has yeah. fun doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I had to do it short term. So maybe that's why, and I haven't done it since then, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's always, it's always been baseball. I've, I've done football. I've worked for a pro basketball team. Uh, I've never done hockey. Um, I've worked in, you know, collegiate athletics for uh, a year long internship. So I've kind of been all over the map and, um, you know, everything or I'm feeling, I guess, kind of always, you know, brings me back to baseball. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of dead set on it. And, you know, at this point, I feel like if I don't go all in and, and try and get that, I'm, I'm never going to. So. Yeah. Chris, um, do you. Th- so uh, no, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you a question on uh, the topic of everyone's mind uh, coronavirus. So you're a lawyer. Um mm-hmm. So you have way more educational background than Robert myself. Yeah. I usually so, just get in trouble from lawyers. We have lawyers on our staff. They're like, oh boy, here comes Rob again. So <laughs> obviously this is a unprecedented time for our industry. Uh, we had been very adamant with you. If you just kept doing what you were doing, you would have landed a job probably by now. But obviously with what's going on, teams, organizations, everybody doesn't even know what, what tomorrow brings. Every hour is yeah. something new. What's your take from a legal perspective on how the leagues and, and teams have to uh, handle this and be careful with players and contracts and fans and everything that's going on right now? It's There's so many moving parts. It'd be great to hear what you think is the best way for us to approach this as, as an industry moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, that's, I think that's the big issue, right? Is that there's so many moving parts and um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of different things going on. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, what do we do with season ticket holders? Are we reimbursing them for games? How many games are we playing? When are we playing these games? What about players? What about, you know, players contracts who are incentive based? Um, you know, I, I don't really think at this point in time, you know, when talking to you guys today, there really is any sort of type of plan you could really develop because, you know, for baseball, at, at least, and, you know, focusing on that and, until we know an opening day is and when the season's going to start, it's going to be nearly impossible to figure out all these things. And, you know, I, I think like, like most industries, not even just sports, you know, because every industry is affected by it. Um, it's, it's kind of just a, a wait and see approach, you know, for right now. And, Hopefully the proper authorities, you know, kind of do the right things to put, you know, businesses large and small in the right position to kind of succeed moving forward. And, um, you know, I, I think what we're going through now is obviously unprecedented, it's, you know, at least in our lifetimes, it's um, never happened before. So I, I think, you know, kind of the unknown and, you know, there's no precedent to sort of look back to in terms of, you know, how we you know proceed going forward. But I think it's kind of a, a unique day by day approach. And as we start to learn more information about the virus and, you know, when our quarantines can end and, you know, kind of all that stuff, 
Um, you know, I, I think you're going to have to see all these leagues basically take action pretty quickly. And, you know, I would imagine even now they're all kind of planning contingencies for situations A through Z just because no one really knows what's going to so happen. So, like, you know baseball contracts and, you know, we talk a lot about that. Um, but there's, like, service time that goes into pension. Yep. There's, yep. Um, you know, service time that comes into health insurance and different things um, like yep. that. So can you – you've studied some of this stuff. What are some of the – you know, interesting things that the normal person wouldn't know uh, that's kind of included where delaying the start of a season uh, could potentially be impacted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like you said, you know, kind of, at least for baseball, it goes back to service time, right? Whether you're, whether and, you know, how you get your pension benefits and whether or not healthcare is distributed and, you know, kind of all those different things. And so much of baseball, including arbitration and most player salaries is tied to service time. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be a matter of once we find out how many games are being played, um, you know, and, you know, kind of what the season's going to look like, and, you know, turn basically creating like a ratio almost where if, you know, player was getting X percentage into, you know, his pension for playing 162 games, well, you know, then we have to kind of look at that ratio and, you know, basically see what it is if we're, you know, playing 140 game season or whatever it might be, um, you know, so kind of even going back to what I said before, you know, a lot of these things are unprecedented, but it really, I think, you know, to some extent, the responsibility really is kind of, you know, on these leagues, you know, on the leagues and on the teams to make sure that they're, you know, players who are, you know, their employees basically, you know, to make sure they're taken care of. And, you know, I know the kind of hot topic is making sure that, you know, minor leaguers get their fair pay and are compensated, you know, for their, you know, for the season respectively, because for a lot of them, that's their only job. Um, and, you know, most of the, most of these guys don't have other jobs outside of playing, you know, playing baseball and, you know, people are relying on that money, you know, to live their life and feed their families day to day. And, um, you know, I think to some extent it's, it's definitely scary, but you kind of just have to hope that, you know, as multi-million, you know, billion dollar organizations, they're, you know, socially responsible and do the right thing and, um, you know, kind of ensure that, that players are taken care of and, and, you know, game day employees and, and the rest of the staff. So what's it like what's it like in New York City right now, Mike? You're down in New York. You actually you're down in Jersey now. Yeah. So I actually fled New York uh, on Monday. Um, it was uh, it was definitely oh pretty boy, scary. Jersey boys talking uh, to each other. Jeez, yeah, here we go. Might as well just go. sign yeah. off now for the love of Let's everything. Let's go. <laughs> not too not too far from each other too, right? I think we're both Mountain oh. County. I am. Yep, Monmouth County, baby. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, you guys going to talk about what pizza you liked and you know what uh, Italian ice and everything. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Jesus! Relax. <laughs> good pizza. The only good pizza oh, in the whole go. damn here country is in New York. Yeah, in New York and New Jersey. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would agree, and I I think even New Jersey is probably better than New York. Oh, New York. Hot, hot, wow. hot take! Hot take from the clouds. Hot take! Top <laughs> hot, take hot take! Here you come. Almost a Vanessa yeah. Hutchins hot take right there. That's, that's, that's up there. Yeah. Well, hey, I've lived in you know I lived in New Jersey for basically 18 years. I've lived in right in the middle of New York City for about five, six years now, and I've tried a, a ton of pizza places. I'm still going to stick by Jersey. So, what's your what's your go to? I know no one's going to know, but except for me. So let me hear what it Ooh. is in Jersey. So if you've been to Freehold Federici's, oh, oh Freehold, Freehold Federici's, Freehold. Yeah. I can't go on and on about Freehold Federici's. Portnoy did a uh, one bite one thing, whatever the hell he does on Barstool the other day at Federici's. Yeah. Yeah, he gave it like an 8.8, which I even thought was a little bit low. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, New York City was uh, it was scary. Rob. Just sign off. Yeah, I, just I, go. I, I, Mike, I, I, Mike I, and I are going to. Mike and I are going to talk. Mike and I are going to talk. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to catch up. Thanks. Let me know how it goes. Send me the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, New York City was. Uh, it was pretty barren. Um, I mean, I, I live, you know, kind of right in the heart of Manhattan, and um, you know, I take the subway every day to get to my office, and there was basically no one on the subway at all. There was no one in any restaurants. Uh, if you walk through Times Square, you don't really see a single person. Um, so you could definitely kind of feel the effects of, of the virus and everything going on. It's um, Boston's in kind of the similar situation. I haven't been out of my house since Friday, and that was only to go to the grocery store. So I have been here at home uh, working from home as much as you can say working from home. We have to be obviously very smart and tactful in terms of our outreach to folks and yeah, uh, Rob and I have decided to do these a little bit more often just to keep our sanity, break up the day and also just trying to entertain people um, while yep. everybody has a lot of downtime. So it's been like uh, it's this is still surreal. I mean, it's it's one of those things that unfortunately we'll probably have to look back on and tell our grandkids and kids like about because it's just this will hopefully never happen again in our lifetime. It hasn't happened in 100 years. Um, so it's uh this part of the country the northeast has seems like it's been hit as hard as the west coast and it's just starting to trickle down and affect a lot of people out there but i mean our message has always been look just stay safe be smart we'll get through this i think a lot of it will hopefully be for the betterment of people and i think on the on the on the other side of this everyone's going to want to pitch in and help out as much as they can. I think a lot of people are getting antsy right now to how can I help? How can I help? And the best way you can probably help is just to stay in your house, which is a weird phenomenon, right? Yep. Yep. So sports is taking a little bit of a backseat, but uh, I'm pretty, pretty confident when this all settles, people are going to be sports thirsty and we'll come back with a vengeance in terms of just people wanting to watch the games and go to the games and get out of the house. So sports played such a huge role in nine 11 to play such a huge role in the Boston marathon here. I know that's probably why you want to work in this industry with, as long as everybody else. And I, look, I can't commend you enough for everything you've done up to this point to try and make that a reality. Unfortunately, like we said, this is, this has come up and you've kind of hit a roadblock that like everyone else has. <clears throat> if you just keep doing what you're doing, but I think this is a good transition right now. Like you, you actually told me today what you're doing currently. So like, let's talk about yeah. that. What are you currently doing knowing what we're all facing right now? What are you doing to make sure you're ready to go once we do fire back up? Yeah. So uh, the big thing I've been doing is on Matt Ferry's suggestion is putting together scouting reports. Uh, it's a little bit easier now that the college season has, um, well, I guess, unfortunately ended. Um, but you know, what I was doing kind of before all this happened was, you know, working my normal nine to six job and then coming home until like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, putting together these scouting reports. Um, so that's kind of step one of things. And for anyone interested in that, if you go to uh, watch ESPN on your computer, they have replays of most college games with whatever conferences they have partnerships with. So like, I know, like for me, like I went to, you know, I did my undergrad at Florida State. Uh, and you know, they have every, just about every Florida state baseball game from, you know, the 2020 season, shortened 2020 season on there. Uh, so I've been like picking out a player or two and watching those games and watching those players and trying to put together scouting reports. So that's kind of step one, just to create more work product. Uh, then number two is I've been identifying people on LinkedIn 
um, that I want to talk to or just people with teams or people that I need to follow up with and not actually sending them emails, but uh, actually writing emails to them and then saving them in my drafts uh, of my inbox. Uh, that way, you know, as soon as everything kind of gets back to normal and it's appropriate to start reaching out again, all I literally have to do is press send and, you know, I can blast out 50, 60 emails in, in you know, five minutes. That's such That's a great advice. advice. I love that. That's yeah, even like for people who are in our shoes, like should be doing that, right? Like if you're currently even in the industry, we can't be sending out emails like, hey, what's up? What's going on? You want to spend money? Like people are like, hey, you actually have a season. Um, yeah. our, the global economy is in a free fall. So like, hey, uh, how about you take a hike? So getting those emails ready to go and with the right folks and with the right message, right? It's also being smart about how you now start reaching out to these folks even after this settles down. There's not going to be this wave of all of a sudden business is normal. It's going to take a little while to ramp up. So I think that's, that's amazing that you're doing that on your, and you still have a full-time job. This is the other thing people. Yeah. Mike is a full-time lawyer, has a full-time job. He's not a college student. He's not right out of school. He's not looking for a job. He's a full-time employed person doing all of this on the side in his own time to get to where he wants to be. I cannot stress it enough. If someone who has a full-time legal profession can still find the time to do what he's done from putting together arbitration presentations, scouting reports, writing blogs, getting published, going and networking. You have no excuse as to why you can't do the exact same thing. Amen. Preach, baby. I Preach. Wanna, I don't want to hear you want to work in this industry, but you're not willing to go the extra mile and separate yourself from the pack. Because if you don't, you're going to not be on this podcast. <laughs> you're going to be on the sidelines. Yeah. So, Mike. Kudos to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Unfortunately, like I said, something's come up in this world that we can't control, nor can anyone control, nor can you control. The one thing you can control is effort and attitude. You have two of the best that we've ever come across in this business who aren't even actually currently in this business. I can't one 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 day wait to work <laughs> for you because Rob is, as Rob and I tell everybody, our main goal is to have as much networking connections through this podcast that you guys get successful and hire us Give us less responsibility yes, and the, more money. That yes, is, that's, that is that is the key. Um, and you know, effort and attitude. I think that uh, we should uh, we should trademark that if we haven't already. And uh, that would be that. Oh, IP law. We know we could do that. We, we have, have IP, IP lawyers. lawyers we do. But like, <laughs> we need like front office features, like gear. We need T-shirts. And I think effort and attitude would be a good T-shirt. What do you think? Uh I, I don't what don't don't booze the brew don't don't bruise, bruise the booze. booze that's a that's a good one too yeah <laughs> that's a good <laughs> that's one. why you get your Manhattan oh. stirred I got a text the other I got the text the other day of our last podcast about you I need to be a better father <laughs> that could be on the teacher there's plenty uh, there's plenty of, there's Rob plenty of Robisms that we could probably put on a t-shirt that would sell like hotcakes. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm sure I have just made a mockery of everything, but uh, as long as I have fun. Um I just saw something. Imagine how many people would donate to this that the NBA is considering a one game one charity game um with players that are deemed healthy enough that get the test and everything. Um in a controlled environment, would be broadcast for uh, for charity. That's interesting. I mean, the NBA. I mean, the NBA. Silver just said it with uh, Rachel Nichols on uh, some interview. 
says my that's social amazing. media. That's amazing. So, that's that's awesome. I mean, well, I, one thing I will say, it's not quite social distancing that everyone keeps talking about, but if, <laughs> I guess if they're clean and they're not coronavirus stuff, I guess that's great. Um, speaking of the NBA, did you see the Suns, what they did the other day on Twitch? That they yeah. pl- What they play a game awesome. on Twitch? Yeah. So they're playing yeah. their schedule. They're playing their schedule. They don't even have a 2K team because most of the NBA teams actually have a 2K team. They don't. They're playing their NBA schedule out on Twitch. They had 221,000 viewers. Oh, my God. I mean, genius. It's a, that's an awesome idea. I so wonder we're, if you we're can talking spo- about that on the I'm, I'm thinking, side. like, I wonder how you can incorporate your sponsors into that, right? 221,000 people? I think you can. Yeah, 221,000 people watched the game. We're talking about doing it with MLB The Show, uh, getting players yeah. to play each other. Um that started already from what I saw because, I mean, obviously it came out yesterday. So the timing of, of that, I guess, worked out while people are, you know, still home, unfortunately. But I know, like, like Pete Alonzo, like, you know, the Mets put out a tweet, you know, yesterday. It got, like, 30,000 retweets or something like that, you know, to have him, like, stream the game against some of his teammates. And it's uh, it's definitely a good form of entertainment, I guess, in the interim. I mean, it's, it's also just, like, taking advantage of everyone being home right now. Everybody is home. Well, everyone yeah. should be home. Yeah, uh, esports is probably crushing it right now. I'm sure Twitch has hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people watching everything from Call of Duty to whatever. Ever, Fortnite. I think Fortnite crashed yesterday. I heard because there were so many people at home. Trying I, to play. I think I, I saw something in the Globe today that internet traffic is up like sixty-seven percent. That's probably. I. It's got. I mean, that's just logical at this point but i be we always are working with the internet at home too so you like what is what do people do i don't know maybe just, more bandwidth from working from un- home because i um i don't know are you do you ever you hear that thing free conference call.com yes we uh so i have one yes and yeah. been trying to like organize calls for at work and it no one can log into the damn thing uh because there's so much traffic on the site when before it was like the easiest thing ever well, yeah, we've been having issues with our – we use Uber conference, and it's been kind of spotty just because I think so many people are trying to do these teleconference work from home, right? So it's, 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 it is showing, I think, organizations that you can be productive and not be in the office and still get stuff done. So I think this will definitely have a culture change to our whole entire country. Are you a good work-from-homer? I am because I had a lot of practice with my wife when she was sick and pregnant where I had to work from That's home. That's right. So and I, when you almost hacked off your hand. That too. Well, I wasn't really <laughs> able to work as much. Um, so yeah, no, I've worked from home a lot and I've actually found myself to be more productive on most days. Uh, how home. are you, um, Mike? Are you a good work from homer? Yeah, I think for the most part, as a lawyer, it's a little bit hard because, you know, sometimes you have to look at hundreds or thousands of pages of documents. And, you know, if I don't have them with me, well, then I'm looking at them on a PDF. So that could be challenging at times. Um, but other than that, I would, you know, probably argue I'm, you know, more productive. at. Home. I what are they doing suck. With- I'm the worst. <laughs> the worst work from Homer of all time. I have no interaction with other people. And I'm the worst at that. Like, I need to go talk to somebody. And I, I I don't know what to do. I'm like crawling at the walls. I want the hell out of this place. And I am probably 
way less productive because I'm like thinking about what to do next uh, or something. But I, I suck at this. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you went viral with your post. Yeah, my post um, of me and my daughter at the, <coughs> excuse me, um, at the, you know, the our kitchen island uh, doing it. That Yes, I went vir- viral. That's such bullshit. Um, <laughs> but I suck at, like, I don't, I have not, no, I, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I would rather, if I had to work from home, I would have to, like, go and do it from a coffee shop just so I could be around people. I cannot be in my basement or at my kitchen table doing work. It just doesn't work for me. I suck. I suck. Michael, what are they doing with court cases? Uh, so from, I think last I, last I checked, um, courts in New York at least were still open, but with kind of limited access, limited functionality. Um, but from what I understand, everything is, you know, they're trying to operate everything as normal. Can't they do a lot of that stuff can. remotely? Like, uh, as in like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like when I like, so I like work mostly in federal courts, like when I file documents, like I log on to like a portal and, you know, kind of file everything that way. And then, you know, the clerk, you know, sort of looks at everything remotely. Um, but if you have to do like oral arguments or if you have to, you know, in, in some, I guess, crazy circumstances, there's a trial going on right now. Um, obviously, you know, you kind of have to be in, in person for that. So I, I'm not really sure what they're doing about that. Oh, fingers crossed. None of us go to court. Yeah. Well, we, we almost, almost did, did, but I'd almost. say Michael and his crew, they um they they helped us a ton. That's why we hired the Jersey lawyers. We got oh, the Jersey geez, mafia. Man, the Jersey. Of course. <laughs> well, um this has been great, Michael. Uh it's been a long time coming and you've actually now have submitted and provided us with two guests, Mark uh, Mark with Prodigy Sports was you connected us to him, and then obviously we will be talking to Dan, another lawyer who's actually in the industry, um, on this upcoming Monday to get his perspective on everything going on with coronavirus and the future of sports. <laughs> this has been enlightening for me. I mean, you you actually motivate me. I don't know about Rob, but you motivate me by everything you do. When you're That's right. I agree. Have you also uh, <laughs> not to, uh, have you looked into the new uh, NFL CBA? So I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I worked a lot with the old one, obviously, because I was, you know, kind of working for an NFL agency right in the middle of that. Um, but everything I've been doing has been focusing on baseball CBA. And I mean, I, I literally have like a copy of it that I carry in my backpack and sort of read with me on trains and buses and whatever. I have to Effort find. and attitude but, right there, um, buddy. He's I'm, reading freaking CBAs on yeah. trains. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else do you people need to hear? Get off your ass and do something. Or, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's. I think you're mildly psychotic, but I think you need to be mildly psychotic to work in the <laughs> sports business. Most most successful people are a little psychotic. Yeah, well, I will say that everything going on in our country right now, it, it definitely it was kind of a reality check for me and really put things in perspective. Um, I mean, I was you know talking about going crazy. I mean, I was you know staying up to like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, just you know trying to get in touch with people on the West Coast and scheduling networking <clears> calls and. Um, you know, I, I think actually everything that happened, you know, sort of helped me realize like, Hey, maybe you need to, you know, kind of slow down and change your approach. So from that perspective, actually, it was it, kind of enlightening for me. Well, keep killing it, buddy. I think, uh, like I, I agree with Chris is, uh, 
you're doing an awesome job. Uh, inspire um, your right me and Chris to you know just keep keep working hard. And you know when we think it's good enough, it's not. So uh, you just keep doing your thing, buddy. And uh, I'm sure people are gonna be reaching out to you soon about like how the hell do I do this? You're uh, you're what people what we've <laughs> been. You're the uh, a model of what we've been preaching um, since the beginning of September. No, for sure. And I mean, for anyone listening, obviously feel free to reach out. Always, always happy to provide whatever advice they can. And um, in all seriousness, everyone should listen to what Robin and Chris are saying because every single thing they've told me has worked out for me in some successful way or has led to meeting a new person or getting some sort of new opportunity. So uh, I would suggest that everyone really listen to what they say closely and talk to them. And before you talk to them, make sure you look at their LinkedIn profile. (laughs) You know, that's one of the things I was thinking about. I think over this coronavirus break, uh, I am going to revamp my LinkedIn profile. I haven't done it in a while. Well, that sounds like an amazing end to our podcast. I'm just giving you Everyone feels so much more fulfilled by knowing you're going to fix your LinkedIn. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They want to know what the hell's going on. By the way, speaking of Mike, how can people find you, reach you, contact you? If anyone else wants to to kind of network with Mike, obviously he's in a unique situation and also can just provide you a lot of guidance. So, what, Mike, how can people find you? Twitter, LinkedIn? Yeah, so LinkedIn, uh, the name is fairly obvious. I don't know if people will be able to find me, but if you can't, look at Chris's or Rob's profile. I'm sure I'd pop we up just there tagged you. We just tagged you on our um, Twitter uh, two seconds ago. Oh, perfect. There you go. So it's Mike underscore Scott 09. Um, and, you know, I post all my articles and things like that on there. And then uh, the LinkedIn, obviously, Michael Scott. So it should be pretty easy to find. Cool. What? Stay safe. Eat some Federici's when you can get out of the house in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Yep. Um, keep doing what you're doing, buddy. And then, as always, the door is always open, especially right now, because Rob has something to do. <laughs> so, um, uh, feel free to reach out whenever you need anything. And as you go along, uh, we can't wait to see where you end up and celebrate once this all comes to a quick, hopefully, conclusion. And we're all on the other side of this. Watching Mike at the top. So everybody stay safe. Be well. See you gentlemen. Have a good night. Thanks Bye. guys.